All right, live from Studio 6B on a Monday night, getting the week started. Glad you're in. Lots to do today. Rick Delgado's here with the news. Rick Emirati is um, is here. Gio's, <laughs> Gio's here. And I uh, hope you all had a good weekend. We can... <laughs> here we go. No, no, what? no, it's not here we go. What? I, I haven't said a word about this to Rick all day since I've seen him. Not a word. We what? had a nice conversation out. Before we went on the air, what yep. happened? Well, what happened? Let's see. Where do we start? Let's well, have a moment weekend? of silence for uh, my, my weekend, weekend was nice. My weekend was good. Yeah. Um, I was gonna go. You know, I love Amirati so much. So, I, but I was gonna go live on Sunday with an emergency, <laughs> <laughs> an emergency live from Studio Six B, so we could check on them. This was after the Raiders. Well, the first day we had Raiders and Bills, so that was a split. So he yep. was not in bad shape. Yep. And then Sunday came. <laughs> and well, oh, man. well, gee, do we have, I mean, I don't even want to ask, honestly, but um, we have an updated scorecard here on me and Rick. Let's, let's see. Oh, oh my God! Oh. Wow. Okay. Oh, he's, so, take, oh he's taking all your drugs now. I've got. Uh, you've got all the drugs. You've got all the drugs. <laughs> you got the high time. You know, listen. If you get COVID, you're going to be in great shape. He's high. Tell you that. Oh, yeah, you've sure. got, great. You're right. You've got the iodine, brovidone iodine for the oh, wash, for the nose and the nasal cavity is and the a... gargling. So you'll be good there. You got the vitamin C. You got the vitamin D. Uh, what's up? What else is that? You got zinc there. Yeah, you can't put a price on life, so you're right, Big D. You're, That's you're good all stuff. set for COVID. Omicron is pretty mild, it's upper yeah. respiratory. So you just do the nasal thing, and I've got. Um, you can go to our friends from Seven Cells. dot com if you want to get. Um, <laughs> You know the other stuff what, that you want. More highly medicated than he already should be right yes, now. Yes, and Listen. you'll be in good shape. Now <laughs> for got... me, let's see, G. I've got uh, got all the birds. All the birds. <laughs> Three I got three them. birds. There's, there's, I, I got, got the Prince more. guitar. That's mine now. I'm rocking that. Prince yes, guitar is mine. I got the gold. I'm sure the Bitcoin is there somewhere. Obviously, I have the cash. So, all right. Well, listen, there's, here's the good news, Emirati. Here's, there's always a way to look <laughs> up, and that is that there's a game tonight. Yes. I'm ready for it. Okay. Wow. Now, just slow, your, slow yourself down. That Pump sounds like bricks. a little aggressive. You're ready for it. What um what are we doing tonight? Oh, we're going to go to SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, California, where the Rams are hosting the Arizona Cardinals in a wild card Monday. And the line is three, right? The line is three. Oh, I like three because I was seeing three and a half. We're going to go three. We're going to lock three in. <laughs> and based on that comment, that statement, you shave that half, I know it's either going to be a push or a Rams win. So I'm going to take the Rams minus three, and we're going to go double or nothing because I want to go into this weekend even. I'm saving a lot of money. I'm not going to the Super Bowl after Dallas lost. My wife had to deploy the American Red Cross to my home <laughs> last night, and it was bad. It got bad at my house. I'll admit it. Ask the birds. <laughs> okay, yeah, so we're going to go. We're going to go Rams. We're going to lay the three okay, at home. For the whole thing. Yep, hopefully Matthew Stafford okay. can throw it to the right jersey. All right, I wow. got. <laughs> That's not a good first statement, but I'm. Wow. I, I like the um, hoopster. Yep. Uh, I like it. I like it. So roll the whole it, forty G. on um, rolling it on the Rams tonight minus three. So you're looking for a win or a push. Yep. Um, at worst, and I'll be stuck with Arizona and Kyler Murray and no DeAndre Hopkins, I believe. Right, which is why I really like them for, for the full 40. Okay. Now, 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 let me ask you this, Damon. I know the game's going to end after we finish here. Are you going to do a special cut-in, a special <laughs> broadcast, maybe well, from I'm, your hot if tub? If I have to do an emergency, 
uh, press conference. Yeah, we- <laughs> Our friend Dave Portnoy does emergency press conference, and I will do that okay. tonight Ooh. after the game is over. We'll see. From your hot tub with an this ascot biggest, and a nice okay. pipe. Biggest play of the, of the of the year. So a little champagne. Yeah. Yeah, that'd, well, that'd be nice. All right, we'll see how it goes. So congratulations <laughs> to Rick for making the move. I, I, I appreciate those kind wow. of guts. So good for him, and I'm sorry for his team. But I've told him for two years the fat coach sucks, and he now he's, hopefully he's going to listen to me. <laughs> Although yep. it's not all the coach's fault. No. no, Not yesterday. But the coach's fault for everything that led up to yesterday, which is leading the league in turnovers for two years, just everything. Yeah, so we'll, we're going to get into that. In my we'll get into all that. Yep. So uh, Rick will do some news. Paul's off tonight. Emirati's going to do sports. Yeah. Geo's here. Fran's off for the week. I'll be controlling um, what goes on audio-wise, so uh, it should be fun. <laughs> um, happy Martin Luther King Day, a day that we celebrate uh, Dr. King's uh, contributions to the country and a day that most liberals get to bastardize um, really what um, Dr. King believed in, and they – they like to bring up things that are really antithetical to actually what his real beliefs are. And I was reminded of his, um, I think this was in the San Diego Tribune that I saw it, a piece about rereading, if you haven't, you should, Dr. King's letter from Birmingham jail. And the author of the piece made an interesting point in saying that if Dr., to reread that, it talks about just and unjust laws. And the article makes an an interesting point to say, if Dr. King was alive today, what would he say about many of the recent laws and mandates from our our government? And he, um, the author says, as a minister, and we've seen some of this around the the country and and in Canada with, um, I believe his last name was Pavlovsky, maybe, that the, uh, the church, says, as a minister, what would Dr. King say if the government tried to shut down meetings of his congregation or if the government determined that a sit-in was illegal because it threatened public health and safety? And in his letters from a Birmingham jail, Dr. King, which originally was written um, on the margins of a newspaper while he was in Alabama jail in 1963, was written in response to eight white Alabama clergymen who argued that the battle for civil rights should be fought through the legal system and not through peaceful civil disobedience. And in Dr. King's writing in that letter from a Birmingham jail, he talks about the difference between unjust and just laws while advocating obedience to just laws. Dr. King said, quote, one has a moral responsibility to disobey unjust laws, which is kind of interesting given the time that we're living through right now. Um, but the, the whole letter is, is, you know, he gets into a lot of, um, in the letter he talks, of, f- first half of it's probably about unjust and just laws or, and how he found himself where he is. And then the second half he talks about churches and um, being upset with the white moderate, as he called it at the time. Um, it's not that long of a letter, and it's worth to read if you haven't read it. But the part about unjust and just laws is, is certainly interesting given where we are. There's an also a really great piece by, I hope I pronounce this, I think it's Delano, Delano Squires. He writes for The Blaze. And he says, America's leading voices on race are committing the ultimate betrayal of Dr. King's legacy. 
And he says, today is Martin Luther King Jr. Day, a holiday created to honor one of the country's most important figures. Dr. King worked to heal the country of its chronic illnesses of segregation and racial discrimination. His successors prefer to keep the body politic sick, often by fighting for some of the things he fought against. They have betrayed his legacy. Dr. King lived his life working to make America's deeds live up to its creeds, whether by reciting parables from the Bible or quoting our founding documents. He spoke boldly about the immorality and uh, hypocrisy of a nation founded on the equality of all men, legalizing and normalizing the subrogation of some men based on skin color. His successors have adopted, adopted a much uh, more different agenda. Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton shared Dr. King's roots in a church tradition that has always seen social activism and moral formation as intertwined. They should have continued to fight against the things that hold black people back from fully reaping the benefits of a free and open society. Good leaders adapt to the times, so those fights might have been over public policy or self-destructive cultural practices. Instead, those two examples, Jackson and Sharpton, turned the civil rights movement into the racial grievance industry. Subsequent generations have continued the downward trajectory. The movement used, uh, used to be powered by people who believed in equality under the law. They fought so that skin color would not be a barrier to opportunities. Now the movement is powered by people inking lucrative book deals and collecting millions in donations from middle-class black people, guilty white people, and big tech CEOs. The worst part of this transformation isn't the fact that activists have gotten rich, it's that their ideas only improve their lives, not ours. They have a perverse incentive to paint America as a hopelessly racist country. That is why I can't imagine someone like Dr. King who fought so hard against racial injustice would support the likes of Ibram X. Kendi's belief that the only way to remedy past discrimination is present discrimination, and the only way to remedy present discrimination is future discrimination. I also can't imagine that a man who was killed in the midst of organizing a multiracial poor people's campaign would subscribe to characterizing black millionaires and billionaires as oppressed while berating white store clerks in Eastern Kentucky for their privilege. Perhaps the most important difference between King and the leading social justice movements today is the foundation upon which their respective movements are built. Dr. King and his peers grounded their civil rights work in the Christian scriptures. Today's activists have a very different foundation. The woman who started the Black Lives Matter organization are self-described Marxists, whose guiding principles never mention God and, who, and whose protest movement is not connected in any way to any church. This doesn't mean they don't have spiritual roots. Patrice Colliers, one of the BLM's, co, BLM's co-founders, said the following in reference to calling out the names of victims at protests, quote, it is literally almost resurrecting a spirit so they can work through us to get the work that we need to get done, end quote. BLM is built on Marxist views of class conflict and the belief that the material world is all that matters. 
Its adherents don't seek to answer the deep question of right or wrong, good or evil. They speak in the language of resources, wealth, goods, and equity. Dr. King and his Christian followers had a belief in God that gave them hope. They believed love could overcome hate. Today's activists seem to be filled with anger and despair. They threaten violence when they feel they've been denied justice. Dr. King's activism produced optimism. BLM's activism produces nihilism. This is why it is so rare to find a happy radical. Dr. King also differs from today's activists because of his willingness to apply the same moral standards and loving critiques to African-Americans as to white people. After committing to banishing discrimination and segregation from every aspect of American life, Dr. King said the following in a 1957 speech in Birmingham. And another thing, my friends, we kill each other too much. We cut up each other too much. There is something we can do. We've got to go down in a quiet hour and think about this thing. We've got to lift our moral standards at every hand at every point. You may not have a PhD degree. You may not have an MA degree. You may not have an AB degree, but the great thing about life is that any man can be good and honest and ethical and moral and can have character. I'll finish this when we get back. Seventeen past the hour, live from Studio Six B on a Monday. Getting the week started. Glad you're in. Rick Delgado's going to do some news. Rick Amarati will have some sports. Shields holding it down. I'll get back to um, Delano Squires. I think this is a great piece uh, in the Blaze. We'll finish that, but we'll do some sports and we'll news news first. And here with sports is uh, Rick Amarati. What's going on, pal? All right, Big D. Well, I'm getting a lot of love from the chats, both from the uh, Rav Chat, Real America's <laughs> Voice, my friends over there, Bayo One, Supply Worker, Star Van Dyne, all cheering me on, feeling bad, telling me Dallas takes too many penalties. That's what Supply Worker says. They got to yeah, cut that down. They lead the league in penalties yep. the last two years. Lead the league. I know. 14 penalties yesterday. You know, I also heard another stat that with um, in the last two years outside the NFC East, which is pretty much a joke other than your team, uh, the Giants, Redskins, and Eagles. I mean, yeah. Eagles are up and coming now. Obviously, Redskins are eh, Giants are awful. Right. Outside the NFC East with Dak playing, with him playing, the Cowboys are 6-9 and nine in those 15 games. That's yes, terrible. Sir. That is terrible. It's awful. Absolutely awful. Well, let's get to the NFL weekend anyway. Odds makers, more like heartbreakers. Sounds like Pat Benatar's song. Uh, but anyway, Raiders uh, had a good game. They almost came back at the end. I thought they'd cover for me, but nope. Bengals shut them down 26-19. Bengals' first playoff win since 1990. My friends in Ohio are happy, and boy, they deserve it. Cincinnati quarterback Joe Burrows, 24-34, 244 yards and two touchdowns. And Vegas' Derek Carr put up a good effort, 29-54, 310 yards. One touchdown, one interception, but the three sacks just caught up with him. Uh, then the nightcap game, Saturday night, complete blowout. Bills from start to finish annihilated uh, Bill Belichick's Patriots. 47-17. Buffalo QB, Josh Allen, big night, five touchdowns, 308 yards, exceptional. And, of course, the rookie, uh, Mac Jones, uh, he did the best he could, but he got sacked uh, two times and uh, only 24-30 32 yards. Let's go to Sunday. Another blowout. Buccaneers 31-15 over the Eagles. 
Eagles, and I actually think they took their foot off the gas at the end to Tampa Bay. But Tom Brady in championship form, 29-37, to 271 yards, uh, no interceptions, two touchdowns. He looked absolutely fantastic, like he was playing darts out there, Big D. And Jalen Hurt for Philly, uh, the quarterback there, 23-43, 258 yards, two very critical interceptions, and he just really looked like he was in over his head, as did Philly. But they're up and coming. There's a lot to hope for for the, uh, for the Eagles. Hate to say, I feel bad for that one Eagle fan. The Tampa Bay fans jumped him after the game and really laid a whooping on him. I don't know what's with these fans. They're really getting out of their minds. But uh, let's, go to the, let's go back to the Cowboy game. We talked about that ad nauseum. But, hey, hats off to the 49ers. They did a fantastic job beating the, uh, the Cowboys 23-17. to It's hard for me to even say it. <laughs> but San Francisco quarterback Joey Garoppolo. Joey, baby, 16-25 to with a pedestrian 172 yards, no touchdowns, and a critical interception. Uh, Dak Prescott, 23 of 43, 254 yards. Not a good day for he Dak. Didn't, uh, he didn't change his name, did he? Who's that? Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> Oh, Jimmy. What I call him? Joey? Oh, yeah. Jimmy. Right. Jimmy Garoppolo. Check that, Big D. You're yes. right. I'm sorry. I'm no so problem. wound up about this game. I want to change his name for him. Make him like Joe Biden. The other guy I don't like. So that's that on that game. And then let's go to the nightcap. Ben Roethlisberger's last game. Uh, unbelievable. He had a rough night. And uh, obviously, Chiefs all over the Steelers. 42-21. Chiefs are starting to really hit their mark, too. And uh, I think that was an overmatch game anyway. And why I took the Steelers with 13 had to be out of my mind. And now I'm paying for it. Good game tonight Rams and Cardinals just underway SoFi Stadium I'll have an update on that in my next segment and uh, yesterday in golf Hideki Matsuyama caps big big day with an eagle to win in the playoff Matsuyama went into playoff against Russell Henley uh, this is an associated uh, press report five shots behind at the turn Hideki Matsuyama uh, endured all he could to keep his head down and try to stay in the game Sunday in the Sony Open and when he finally hooked up he couldn't see one of the best shots of his career as he fired a shot on with a three into 276 yards right into the sun. He had no idea that it sailed three way, feet away for an eagle on par 5, 18th. He had a 7 under 63 yesterday and won, his, won for the eighth time in the PGA Tour, tying with KJ Choi for most tour uh, victories by an Asian-born player. And they were in uh, Wailea, um, Hawaii, which was a beautiful place and a beautiful place for golf. And Big D, that's a wrap in sports. I got more update on Novak Djokovic's situation, and uh, I'll keep an eye on the game for us. All right, very good. Thanks, Rick. We'll do some more sports. Let's do some news. Rick Delgado, what's going on? All right. Well, the big story over the weekend is the uh, synagogue uh, terror attack that happened down in Texas. The FBI, of course, getting backlash because they refused to uh, label it a, a terrorist attack at first. The FBI hostage rescue team saved the lives of the people there Saturday night in an all-day standoff with the British man who had taken the hostages at a Texas synagogue. On Sunday, however, the FBI public relations team uh, confused the public for hours, saying the hostage taker was not targeting the Jewish community. An outright lie, I think. Following the release of the hostages in a shootout that left the 44-year-old Malik Akram dead, the FBI representative told reporters at the scene that the hostage taker was singularly focused on one issue, and it was not specifically related to the Jewish community. Uh, the hostage taker repeatedly focused, uh, repeatedly been focused on the release of a convicted terrorist, also known as Lady Al-Qaeda, a Pakistani neuroscientist named Afia Sadiq. Uh, who was sentenced to 86 years in prison for an attempted murder of two U.S. officers in Afghanistan. Of course, the initial statement was, was met with predictable backlash, prompting the agency to clarify its position Sunday evening. So, 
You know, there's a lot to talk about here with this incident. I've got a bunch of stuff to go over, a couple different takes, including from um, Daniel Greenfield, who appeared on this show not too long ago. But um, I was happened to see a clip from MSNBC, and they had that moron Dana Nessel on from um, whatever she is, the state attorney general in Michigan, I think, or something. Mm -hmm. Yep. Oh, my God. I mean, just you just... You talk about the issues with something unfolding like this, and there she is on TV, and what, what's, what, of course, she has to go right to? Well, I, now that I know it's a synagogue, you know, I'd have to be worried that it's a white, white, white supremacy going on in there. <laughs> you know, she was about an inch away from saying something <laughs> Trump if she could have gotten it out on, on air. I mean, it's... They, you know, that's and that's the, the, that's the problem. That's the problem with the, the, the mainstream media and they, they, these guests while this stuff is unfolding and they just can't help themselves, but just reveal the, the their, uh, oh, it's it, just unbelievable. It sounds like she re revealed her false narrative because that's what they try and do. They try and push the false narrative to get you to believe it. They don't care if it's true. They don't really care if it's factual, if they can get it out there in the ether that think, oh, everybody's going to hear it. It's going to spread. We'll do a retraction later, but don't worry about it. It's still out there. I saw Biden's statement on it, whatever the hell that was. But I noticed he was he, he wasn't ready to say anything about this, about this. But he was he called Kyle Rittenhouse a white nationalist in, in about four seconds. But here with way more facts than he could have ever had in that situation, you know, he wasn't ready to. Uh, you yeah. Know. So, so they clarified their statement afterwards, saying this is a terrorism-related matter, oh, sure. in yeah. which the Jewish community was targeted, yeah. and it's being investigated by the Joint Terrorism Task Force. Yeah. If you would just don't worry, it would have been terrorism right away if it happened at a school board meeting. They would have been right on top of it, or if it was somebody who just disagreed with their political views, the FBI would have been all over it. Potential, potential. It would have been potential terrorism right away. Yeah, and another what is the point of the FBI at this point? How about, can we just go to a broader question? What's the point? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's kind of ridiculous, everything that they screw up. I mean, every time we get one of these mass murder incidents, we always find out what? Oh, he was on the watch list. Oh, they interviewed him 50 times. Oh, they knew he was this. They knew he was that. Okay, well, I mean. Well, it's interesting you say that because this guy had a uh, criminal record and uh, they were trying to figure out how he actually got a visa to come into the country. Well, that's that's the bigger thing is the visa <laughs> thing, right? Because he was on all kinds of lists in the UK, yeah. watch lists and all, all, all these other things, parole lists or whatever the hell they call them over there. I mean, he was all over the place. I got a bunch of stuff on this as well. So, all right, what else is going on? Anything all quick? Right. Don't don't have anything 10 seconds worth. So, uh... All right, uh, live from Studio <laughs> 6B. We will uh, continue with the news, sports, more on this situation in Texas over the weekend when we get back. Studio 6B, 30 minutes past the hour on a Monday. 
So I'm going to post the Delano Squires. Um, I think I already did, actually, on our Twitter, at LFS6B, on our Getter, at LFS6B as well, where we're streaming live tonight. Active audience over there, of course, on Getter. It's good to see everybody there. Um, but to get back to Rick's story on this, what happened in Texas, uh, Daniel Horowitz has a piece talking about the FBI and just what we were talking about, that only potential terrorists in the country are those who disagree with political views of the left, not actual terrorists to ties to foreign terror groups, which is why any true terrorist attack immediately gets memory hold by the FBI and by the media. The Islamic attack on a synagogue in Coleyville, Texas, is just the latest example. On Saturday afternoon, 44-year-old British national Malik Faisal Akram allegedly barged into services at Congregation Beth Israel in Coleyville, took four people hostage for about 10 hours. Late Saturday night, the hostages were freed. The suspect was shot dead by the SWAT team, which stormed the building when some of the hostages ran out with the suspect in pursuit. Associated, uh, Associated Press reported that the suspect had demanded the release of Afia uh, Siddiqui, a Pakistani neuroscientist in prison on charges of trying to kill American service members in Afghanistan. Following the resolution of the hostage crisis, the FBI agent in charge immediately stated that the suspect was singularly focused on one issue that was not specifically related to the Jer uh, Jewish community. Sure, it just happens to be that the man decides to pick the one Jewish synagogue in an area with few Jews. Remember, this is the same FBI that still has no motive for the Las Vegas shooting, the Nashville Christmas bombing, the April 2021 Capitol attack, and more recently, a case of a black nationalist mowing down six people at a Waukesha parade two days after the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict. Joe Biden chimed in with an awkward and bizarre statement too. Quote, I don't think there is sufficient information to know why he targeted that synagogue, why he insisted on the release of someone who's been in prison for over 10 years, why he was using anti-Semitic and anti-Israeli comments, said the president on <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> According to British authorities, the suspect was a national of the UK. He hailed from Blackburn, a city which has radical mosques with ties to Islamists. And there's a tweet here from Campaign Against Anti-Semitism, Blackburn Muslim Community Facebook page reportedly calls for Allah to bless dead Texas synagogue attacker with the highest ranks of paradise. Akram apparently arrived in the U.S. just five weeks ago, which makes the concern of ties to international terror even more alarming, especially since police in Manchester, England, arrested two teenagers in connection with Akram. After these details were disclosed and the British media began reporting on it, well, then the FBI had to concede the obvious. And there's a tweet here from Shannon Bream from Fox. Newest FBI statement on Colleyville just in. This was on January last night at 11.50, almost midnight. Quote, this is a terrorism-related matter in which the Jewish community was targeted and is being investigated by the Joint Terrorism Task Force. Who is um, Afia Sadiqwa, the person allegedly at the center of the hostage taker's demands? An American-educated Pakistani neuroscientist, Sadiqwa was captured in Afghanistan in 2008 
put on trial in 2010 for attacking soldiers. She was accused of grabbing a rifle and firing on soldiers during an interrogation, injuring an FBI agent and a U.S. Army officer. She was sentenced to 86 years in prison after the jury found that she attempted to murder Americans serving in Afghanistan as well as their Afghan colleagues. She is residing in a Texas prison known as Lady Al-Qaeda. She demanded during the trial that Jews be excluded from the jury, claiming the entire prosecution had been orchestrated by unnamed Jews. Just two months ago, the Council on American-Islamic Relations, which is the American branch of the Muslim Brotherhood, demanded that she be released. So here we have a Texas synagogue attacked by a supporter of an international terrorist who has support from an organization that works together with the Department of Homeland Security and is the subject of matter, the subject matter was a known Jew hater, yet the FBI can't seem to connect the dots. In a Facebook post on November 15th, CARE of the Dallas-Fort Worth area, this chapter of CARE, said, quote, we'll be meeting with congressional offices to educate them about Dr. Aifa and call for her release. Special thanks to CARE for being a pillar in letting utilize the office, which is walking distance from Congress as our primary staging and organizing area, end quote. Will those congressmen be forced to denounce their support for the same way allied uh, congressmen of some of the January 6th protesters are being subpoenaed by special congressional committee? Prominent mosques in America have recently held rallies to free Lady Al-Qaeda. Do you think any of the resources of the DHS and FBI will be focused on those people? Instead, the entire purview of the FBI is now focused on conservative political groups, whom they refer to as white supremacists. Last week, an FBI official told the U.S. Senate that anti-government extremists, meaning detractors of the Biden regime, in other words, are the nation's top security threat. In other words, the newly created anti-domestic terrorism unit within the FBI will not be focused on groups with ties to Siddiqui, sympathizers, but political opponents of the regime. Quote, we have seen a growing threat from those who are motivated by racial animus as well as those ascribed to extremist anti-government and anti-authority ideology, stated Assistant Attorney General Matthew Olson in testimony before the Senate Judiciary Committee. You better believe he doesn't mean Islamic terrorist, uh, terrorist sympathizers. He means grandmothers with MAGA hats. Get it straight. The UK Daily Mail is reporting that Akram was given a rare exclusion order at Blackburn's Magistrate Court in the UK for his rantings about 9-11. How is a man like this able to fly to the US is what the question really should be. Well, evidently our Homeland Security and counterterrorism agencies are more focused on fighting domestic political opponents than foreign terrorists. Hmm. And what's funny too is that the family here, this is from PJ Media. I'm getting this story from Robert Spencer over there. Um, even the family of this guy, Akram, uh, mm -hmm. has demanded to know how he was allowed into America despite a long criminal record. More than just a family should be asking this question. How is it able, how is this man able to storm a synagogue in Texas, take people hostage at gunpoint when he shouldn't have been allowed into the United States in the first place? Uh, basically showing you that under the Biden regime, the immigration system is more than just broken.
I mean, he was known to police. This is from his brother. <laughs> it sounds like his family is even like, you know, you shouldn't have let this guy in. Even we don't like him. Uh, he's known to police. He's got a criminal record. How is he allowed to get a visa and acquire a gun? Um, then they reveal that, uh, you know, he's got the multiple um, multiple uh, offenses on his criminal record. How is it that he got into the United States? Was it some official who was skirting the law? You, it, it starts, you start to wonder, like, why was this guy allowed? They knew where he was from. They knew all of his stuff on, on his background record. Was he supposedly, was he supposed to be led into the country? Maybe they're like, you know, because he only got here two weeks ago. It's amazing how he showed up in two weeks and boom, all of a sudden, hey, we, we got what we wanted out of this guy. We knew he would do something. He our, went and did um, it. Our friend Daniel Greenfield, who appeared on this show a couple months ago, in his uh, front page mag, frontpagemag.com, had an article about this. And he points out that this Blackburn Muslim community uh, page that put on this um, tweet announcing that he had sadly, that this piece of trash had sadly departed this temporary world and prayed that Allah bless him with the highest ranks of paradise. He says that BMC page had previously promoted a quote-unquote charity event to raise money uh, for Palestinians by the Human Relief Foundation, which had been banned by Israel over its ties to Hamas. The town has produced no shortage of jihadists, including the youngest terrorist in the UK, as well as the number of jihadis who traveled to join ISIS, an associate of the shoe bomber, Richard Reed, and a terrorist who played a key role in the Al-Qaeda plot that targeted New York and D.C. Blackburn is one of the most segregated towns in the country and has been described as a no-go zone, quote-unquote. That right. area that produced the temple terrorist has the highest Muslim population outside of London, where some claim that flying the English flag has been effectively outlawed. He says the setting couldn't be any better for the media to whitewash the murderous terrorist with the familiar uh, excuse that he was the victim of failed integration into the United Kingdom. His family, in an even more familiar excuse, is claiming that he was, quote, was suffering from mental health issues, unquote. That, along with the claim by FBI special agent in charge Matt DeSarno that the terrorist, quote, was singularly focused on one issue and it was not specifically related to the Jewish community, is becoming the very familiar narrative for covering up Muslim terror attacks. But anti-Semitism, like is, uh, Islamism, was part of the air that Faisal Akram breathed in Blackburn. So he's pointing out that uh, the area, of course, is that he was kind of... Um, Brought up in? Prepped him to uh, yeah. be ready to... And you know what? And you can say, you know, it's it's definitely a problem that the Biden administration has allowed to happen, but it really started under the Obama administration. Let's just be honest. This is when the FBI started going down this route of, oh, well, let's not really, they're not really Muslim terrorists and we can't use that word. And, you know, this whole, they started to change the vernacular and then they started to change the focus and then they started to root out people and get all these, uh, you know, what we see of a broken FBI that is just, you know, it, yeah. it seems to know where everybody is. And then they go and do stuff and then they go, oh, yeah, we know that guy. Um, right. Good Mr. Stuff. Greenfield also reminds us that Lady Al-Qaeda, 
who seem, seems to be uh, that they're saying is the source of this um, whole thing was married to the nephew of 9-11 mastermind Khalid Sheikh Mohammed and had assorted recipes for mass murder in her possession when she was captured. Despite graduating from Brandeis, a formerly Jewish university, she demanded at her trial that jurors undergo DNA tests to prove that they are not Jewish. The hatred of Jews, like the hatred of all non-Muslims, is a crucial motive for Islamic terrorism. So this from uh, Daniel Greenfield today in Front Page Mag, terrorist synagogue terrorists came out of the UK no-go zone. Kind of amazing how it seems like the last four years never happened. We're back to North Korea being a problem, Russia and Ukraine being a problem, uh, uh, Islamic terrorism on our shores being a problem. Let's see well, what speaking changed. Of that, what I, happened? I heard. Hmm. Speaking of that, I heard the president on Saturday night on Real America's Voice. I watched almost all of his speech, and um, big crowd, huge crowd, big crowd. Thought the president was good. A couple things that I did notice that he conveniently stayed away from. Um, maybe the men, well, I don't know. I think it's still a very tight box he has to navigate with the vaccines because he didn't really mention them. But uh, talk a little bit more about that when we get back. Live from Studio 6B on a Monday, glad you're in. And as I always do on Martin Luther King Day, by the way, I will play you because I have a dream speech coming up at 9.30. Thirteen to the hour, live from Studio 6B on a Monday. Just getting the week started. Glad you're in. Uh, I said as we go into break, I don't know how many people heard me, but uh, and I should have mentioned it at the top because I always do this on Martin Luther King Day. As long as we've done this show now, uh, six, seven years, 2015, 16 was the first time we did it. I always play Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech on this day. And we actually found a somewhat, Geo found a somewhat condensed, but a really nice new digitized color version to cut it down to about eight minutes but all of the um, iconic parts of this speech are in there so we'll we're going to go with that version of it this year a little shorter but still uh pretty like pretty cool so we'll do that at 9 30 uh, but right now we'll do some news and here with the news is rick delgado all right well over the weekend uh virginia got a new governor and he went right to work pissing off the public schools in Virginia who are doubling down on their mask rules in light of a slew of new executive orders signed by uh, their new governor, Glenn Youngkin, asserting that they will continue to require all individuals to wear a mask. Over the weekend, Youngkin signed nine executive orders and two executive directives at the Virginia State Capitol covering a range of topics from targeting CRT to combating human trafficking. One of the orders, however, specifically empowers parents, allowing them to decide whether or not their child should wear a mask in school. The order reads in part, the state health commissioner... Actually, we have him. You want to see it? Yeah, go ahead. Cut eight, G. Let's hear from the gov. With the exception of a parent or a guardian, no one impacts the future of a young child more than a quality teacher. We will attract quality professionals to Virginia schools, and we will pay teachers as the professionals that they are. 
We must also recognize that the people most responsible for a child's education are parents. My message. My message to parents is this. You have a fundamental right enshrined in law by this General Assembly to make decisions with regard to your child's upbringing, education, and care. And we will protect and reassert that right. Nah, that's okay, because uh, some of the public school systems in the state are doubling down on the masking requirements, making their intentions of ignoring the governor's directions crystal clear. Arlington Public Schools, for instance, stated on Saturday it will continue to require all staff and students to wear masks inside uh, on school grounds and on buses. Alexandria City Public Schools followed suit, stating on Sunday it will continue to abide by the health and safety guidelines of the CDC. And Fairfax County School Systems made it clear that they're also planning to continue the, re- the requirement to wear masks. Well, see, the gov has to play hardball like DeSantis does in Florida. And that's, that's you know, that's really the true test of, of what he's going to, how he's going to do. Because he's, you know, you, you, you know what you're up against, or at least at this point you should. And that goes for even the Republicans in Congress and the Senate. You know what you're up against. How are you willing to play the game? That's really what it comes down to, unfortunately. Yeah. And you got to play hardball. You got to play as mean and as nasty and as dirty as they play. Because that's the only game they know how to play. And it's amazing that when you start playing that game, they start, they start uh, cowering and complaining and whining. Just like, uh, what's his name? Uh, who's the chicken-looking guy? The Democrat. <laughs> the old guy. I forget his name. He was complaining that everybody, he, he says the Democrat Party has is, is become very whiny. Uh, what's his name? He's a pundit. Whatever. Anyhow. Okay. Anything else in the news or before we do sports? Uh, no, you can jump over to sports. All right, I know let's Rick's do some, some uh, sports. Let's get an update on the big game here. Yeah. Rick Amorati, what's going on, pal? All right, big deal. Let's fly out to SoFi, Englewood, California, home of the Super Bowl 56. It's going to be a big one. Uh, 7 nothing right now. L.A. Rams are winning and cooking with gas. They got the ball now. Uh, they're on their own 45. Looks like they're going to get another drive going. Odell Beckham Jr. with the pass from Matthew Stafford for the first touchdown. Only a four-yard pass, little flicker there but uh, they're looking good and i think you said kyler murray's not looking too good at huh, big d you no saw him he looks Arizona? lost like he has for four weeks <laughs> so you're probably in good shape here it's early i'm not going to start whistling just yet <laughs> yeah i agree you shouldn't but I'm, I'm telling you as the other side you look like you're in decent shape here because kyler murray looks lost and he has for a month since he came back from that injury by the way just like last year when he came back from an injury he looked lost like he's afraid to play so mm. we'll see We'll see from the great state of Arizona. Anyway, Montana Pro Rodeo. Speaking of great places, Great Falls, Montana. We got the Who Loves Your Pretty Baby Four Seasons Arena, Montana Pro Rodeo, and uh, Bareback Riding. These are all third-round final scores. That is a final wrap of that rodeo from the weekend. Um, 
Danton Birch, 85 points on Sozo, picked up $2,400. It's either $2,400 or if you get the two or three head, it's $3,600. So I won't keep giving you the numbers on, on term, terms of dollars. Caleb Bennett had 248 points on the three head. Steer Wrestling, Newt Novich, 3.6 seconds. And the three head was Timmy Sparring in 17.1 seconds. Team Roping, Caden Camp and Delon Parker, 4.5 seconds. And on the average, the three head, Radley Day Taylor Williams, uh, it's 17.6 seconds. Saddlebronk, Chase Brooks, 86 half point and a half points on satisfaction. And the, and the average on the three-head, Sage Newman had 248 points. Tie-down roping, Jade Gardner, 9.6 seconds. And Landon Williams, 35.2 seconds on the three-head. Barrel racing, Brittany Barnett, 12.9 seconds. Now, that is a good score. And Brittany Barnett also took the three-head in 38.89 seconds. And last but not least, bull riding. We have a tie. Cole Wagner on Dwayne Kessler's Ivy League and Bo Voku on Big Block, 84 points each. And the, on the uh, two-head was Cole Howell, 164 and a half points. Total payout on that rodeo, Big D, 216,000 cool ones. Who knows? We may be up to that number with this uh, with the odds makers <laughs> before you know it. And uh, let's get to Novak Djokovic. This story has just really just gone off the rails, but he arrives in a Dubai airport after deportation from Australia. Uh, Djokovic was uh, arrived early Monday in Dubai earlier today. His deportation from Australia over its required COVID-19 vaccine ended the number one ranked men's tennis player's hopes of defending his Australian Open it was a 13-and-a-half-hour flight from Melbourne where he had argued in court he should be allowed to stay in the country and compete in the tournament under a medical exemption due to coronavirus infection last month. Um, but at Dubai, they were there with their face masks on, and uh, unfortunately, I don't have a clip. But uh, word has it, Big D, he may have an issue with the French Open now. They just unanimously put into law oh. that you huh. cannot, <laughs> you cannot uh, be in any sporting arena unless you're vaxxed, athletes oh. or fans. Yeah, so the plan, that's the plan. Oh. That is the plan, the vice president said. So, yeah. That's it. So, uh, pardon me, do you have your mask on? Yeah. Uh, Beijing Olympic tickets will only be available to spectators from selected groups. Here comes China. Beijing Olympics, Ryan Gatos, Fox News, organized and announced Monday that only selected spectators will be permitted at the Winter Games next month due to the coronavirus pandemic. Beijing had already cracked down on allowing fans from outside the country to go to the Games, something Japan similarly did for the Summer Games. Tickets have yet to be offered to the general public, uh, but however, they're going to be monitoring select groups that will be able to come in. Obviously, they'll have to be quadruple vaxxed, I'm sure, but the Olympics will be held in Beijing and uh, the neighboring Hebrew pro uh, Providence uh, starting February 4th, yeah. according to Reuters. Uh, it will sure. take place in a closed loop, Big D. A yeah. closed loop. I'm sure the um, the owner of the uh, part owner, small owner of the Warriors maybe will be there to, to uh, sell it to, um, maybe he oh, can yeah. carry the CCP flag on the way in. <laughs> we got that story coming up next, yeah. Big D. Yeah, what All a right. slimy guy he is. Got what a yeah, piece of just work. A, just another doofus who comes to this country makes a zillion dollars, and just hates it at every turn. Just, uh, ugh. Unbelievable. Think he, could run, think he could do what he's doing <laughs> over there? Nope. Absolutely not. Ugh. What a reprehensible fool he is. God. When you get to that story, I may have to, I may have to walk off the set. <laughs> <laughs> All right, live from Studio 6B, hour two, man, quick first hour. Hour two coming up, more news with Rick, more sports, crazy town with old guess who. We're going to go.
go to Madame Tussauds for Crazy Town today. Two live from Studio 6B on a Monday, getting the week started. Glad you're in. Rick Delgado's going to do some more news. Rick Amorati's going to do some more sports. He's looking good in his uh, in his big game. He's looking really good, actually. Good. Um, about to be 14 nothing. So I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. Could be in some trouble there. Um, Gio's holding it down. Friends off this week, so lots to do. Let's get to a couple. We covered. Uh, did a great. Great piece by Delano Squires from The Blaze about Martin Luther King. Obviously, it's Martin Luther King Day. I will play you a condensed version of his I Have a Dream speech, as we always do on this day on this show at 9.30. But just a couple other comments. Uh, as I tell you, um, you know, most of the Democrat Party and the libs today just uh, bastardize, really, what Martin Luther King really stood for. And they, they, they try to draw these conclusions on things that really have nothing to do with... Um, the things he really fought and believed in. But let's just get to some of the dumber people in the Democratic Party. We'll start with the president. <laughs> Cut one, G. Here's Biden's um, comments today for Martin Luther King Day on, of course, what else? Divisive voting rights. Roll that. Last week, Vice President Harris and I visited Atlanta, Georgia, the cradle of civil rights in America. We paused and prayed at the crypt of Dr. and Mrs. King. We met members of their family. Dr. Bernice King, Martin Luther King III, his wife, Andrea, his daughter, Yolanda. We met students who were changing the world, just like generations of young people before them had done that. In fact, Dr. King was just one of those young people, 15-year-old student at Morehouse College when he began his journey to fulfill the promise of America for all Americans, a promise that holds that we're all created equal and deserve to be treated equally throughout our lives. Dr. King wasn't just a dreamer of that promise, he was a doer. And on this federal holiday that honors him, it's not just enough to praise him. We must commit to his unfinished work, to deliver jobs and justice, to protect the sacred right to vote, the right from which all other rights flow. The attack on our democracy is real. From the January 6th insurrection, to the onslaught of Republicans' anti-voting laws in a number of states. Are you kidding me? It's no longer just about who gets to vote. Uh, it's about who gets to count the vote. There it is again. And whether your vote counts at all. It's about two insidious things, voter suppression and election subversion. In his time, through his courage, his conviction, and his commitment, Dr. King held a mirror up to America and forced us to answer the question, where do we stand? Whose side are we on? We're in another moment right now where the mirror is being held up to America, being it's held cracking. up again. It's cracking. The question being asked again, where do we stand? Whose side are we on? Will we stand against voter suppression? Yes or no? Will we stand against election subversion? Yes or no? 
Will we stand up for an America where Gee. everyone is guaranteed the full protections and the full promise of this nation? Yes or no? Just get out of here, you old segregationist racist. He's the last person that should have Dr. Martin Luther King's name behind him. This is somebody who, I mean, you, you, we've seen all the clips. We've played all the old clips. All the old busing tapes mm -hmm. from NPR. This guy is going to talk. He shouldn't even be allowed to talk on this day. Hey, remember, just uh, what was about a year and a half ago, he said he believes that even Dr. King's assassination didn't have the worldwide impact that George Floyd's death did. Cut to but G. even Dr. King's assassination did not have the worldwide impact that George Floyd's yeah, Death sure. Wow. Maybe That's... if um, maybe if um, Dr. King should have been more of a, a crack addict, uh, crack smoking, drunk, drug addict, uh, threatening people with a weapon. Yeah, he would have been maybe better known than maybe maybe Joe. That's what we should have done. I mean, give me a break. This guy's such an idiot. He shouldn't even be allowed. This is a guy whose friends, best friends, were Robert Byrd who was the Grand Kleagle of the KKK in West Virginia, who became Senate Majority Leader for his party, the party of, the party of Jim Crow. For Joe Biden to even be speaking on this whole, this, I mean, it's such a joke. We played the NPR clips. He argued for segregation in those audio clips. You ain't black if you don't know that if you're going to, I mean, come, come on. Yeah. Remember last week when he was talking about George Wallace? You want to be on the side of George Wallace or Martin Luther King? He praised uh, George Wallace. Yeah. He praised him. And George Wallace praised him and he, and he carried that around and said, look, I've been, you know, he's, he's praised me. Come on. Joe's, Joe's old Joe is a racist and, and he knows it. They just use, and they just, for example, they just use a day like today to try to get some, they try to get the warm, vanilla, buttery comments about Dr. King, and then they just go, he goes right into his divisive um, nonsense about taking vote. I, whoever gave him this line about it's who counts, count, given what happened in 2020 in the election, and that the, he's going to talk talked about who counts the votes. It's like when he said, I think we have the greatest. Um, we put together the greatest election uh, mm -hmm. fraud, uh, whatever. Remember when he said that? Yep. This this whole line he's using now about uh, it's not about the votes; it's about who counts the votes. Well, yeah, we agree, Joe. Well, he got that from Stalin. That's a big Stalin thing. No, I, yeah, I know that. I, yeah, but I don't think he's thinking about that. I just think someone gave him this idea to use that line, like it's some. Uh, like he's some foundational speaker here. Like he's uh, really cutting edge. And he just sounds like an old fool drooling on himself. <laughs> ah. Um, all right. A couple other things. Do, what, do we, uh, what's the other one I wanted to get to? GD, uh, cut two? No, we already did that. Three. Let's, uh, let's hear the other dummy in this administration. Cut three. Roll that. As some of you know, last week I was honored <laughs> to once again visit your historic sanctuary together with members of the King family. And it is an honor to hey, be the way, with you today. Hey, by the way, do you notice they never, they never talk about Alveda King? You notice they never mention her? No. Because she thinks they're all stupid. And she doesn't support anything that any of them stand for. And I'm, I'm not putting words in her mouth. This is my words of my interpretation of her. 
They never mention Alveda King. So just point that out. Go ahead. As our nation remembers, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., as has been said, as is known throughout the world, Dr. King was a prophet. He was a prophet in that he saw the present exactly as it was and the future as it could be. And he pushed our nation toward that future. Dr. King pushed even as his character was maligned. He pushed even as his family's life was threatened. He pushed even as his own life was in jeopardy. He pushed for racial justice, for economic justice, and for the freedom that unlocks all others, the freedom to vote. She can't even Today, like, read this. Today, our freedom to vote is under assault. Ugh. In Georgia and across our nation, <laughs> anti-voter laws are being passed that could make it more difficult for as many as 55 million Americans Ugh. to vote. Yeah. 55 million Americans. Sure. That is one out of six people in our country. And the proponents of these laws are not only putting in place obstacles Gee. to the ballot box. I, I just can't. As I played you the Newsbuster piece, which I thought was really good, and I played you Aaron Burnett last week, which I thought was good, pointing out the difference even between New York and Georgia, that New York is, more, is actually more restrictive than what's going on in Georgia. And once again, I just point out that none of these people are ever questioned in any serious way. The media never asks any serious questions about what happened in 2020, but all the federal and state constitution violations, they have no interest in it. They never get asked about it. She, they go and give these speeches like what we just heard, which is just utter and total BS nonsense. It has nothing to do with why some of these state legislatures and secretaries of state are trying to make sure that the power goes back to where it always belonged, which is, where, is with, his, uh, with the state legislatures. So it's just, just crazy. All right, crazy town time. Madam Tussaud on MLK. Roll it, G. We all want bipartisanship. We all strive for it. We have a responsibility to do so. Oh but when we cannot have it, we cannot confine our democracy to what might be bipartisanly possible. So I ask our colleagues in the Senate, Thank you, Captain Kirk. respectfully for what they think filibuster means, to compare that, to weigh the equities against our democracy, because nothing less is at stake than our democracy. <laughs> this is about suppressing the vote. It's about nullifying the elections, which Dr. King talked about that day. I was at the march. I couldn't stay to hear the speech, can you imagine? Because I had to leave to go get married. Get Botox. <laughs> That's why I can always remember how long ago this speech was, or how long ago I've, I've been married. How long I've been married. But in any event, it's about just doing so many things to be obstacles to participation. That's wrong. So in a way, if you really truly 
want to honor Dr. King. Yeah. Don't dishonor him by using a congressional custom as an excuse for protecting our democracy. We have no right to honor this family, to visit the monument. Imagine 30, somewhat 36 years old, left this earth (laughs) in such a way that he has a monument on the mall along with Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, all of them <laughs> with tears in their eyes yeah. for the departure yeah. from our democracy. Oh, no, that's that not the reason they have tears right in their eyes, now, sweetheart. Unless the truth is acknowledged and this legislation <laughs> is passed. And with that, I want to yield to our distinct. Am I introducing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and with that, I need to get another drink. So let me introduce. I mean, I, you know, I listen, I know she doesn't want her face to melt off, but she really needs to stop with the Botox at some point. She needs to stop. It's really getting to be, it's either going, I mean, something's going on. And she was super shiny today. Well, that, I mean, that's all part of it. I think, I think she probably gets these probably gets them done when she knows she's going to go into some big event or something, but. Do you think that's why she she starts to talk with her hand like it's affecting yeah, her I, neurologically? I, I, that, I, I don't know if it's when too she, much. When she talks now, it looks like she's swatting flies with that huge hand of hers. I don't I don't know I don't know, and I think they need to check the New York governor for um. I don't know to see if she was hit on the head as a young child too <laughs> because she's just a moron too. She used to eat paint chips. I hear. My God, the statement she made it the, this they were all at this some some speech on they're all. Given these elections, oh my God, the thing she said, wait till you see what I got it. Some comments she made comparing it to COVID, where a million people are dead. will mark the first full year since President Biden took office. And a new CBS News poll shows Americans think he's not focused enough on key issues like the economy and inflation. 44% of Americans approve of the job he's doing overall, with a split on his handling of the coronavirus. When it comes to Mr. Biden's efforts on the economy, just over a third, 38%, approve. His handling of inflation is worse. Seven in 10 Americans disapprove. We turn now to CBS News Elections and Surveys Director Anthony Salvanto. Good morning to you, Anthony. Uh, What is weighing on the president's approval rating the most? Good morning, Margaret. Let's start with COVID. Now, part of this is just expectations. At the start of his term, people thought COVID would get better. But right now, most people don't think the effort against the pandemic is going well. Part of a president's ratings always carry some of that general feeling. You look back at the start of his term, he got very strong approval ratings for handling the pandemic. That carried into the summer at two-thirds approval. Started to dip a little bit as cases got a little bit worse, some vaccine controversies down to where it is now, with a majority of people saying that the administration not focused enough on the economy, on inflation, and these are their most important issues. Sometimes politics is really simple. You've got to be seen attacking the problems that people think are paramount. Now, when you look at how 
that plays out in his ratings on the economy. Well, what's to blame for it? It's a mixture of things. Again, some of it, yes, people blame his policies. There's also the pandemic. There's supply chain issues that people see in the mix. But when they don't think he's focused, they're more likely to disapprove overall. And then that goes to a broader sense of emotions about his first year. We see a lot of folks describing that as making them feel frustrated or disappointed. He's got to be seen looking at those problems that people think are paramount, and that is inflation, Margaret. Yeah. That's why I got to call our friends at Birch Gold, because inflation's on the rise. By the way, I saw today that China, after hearing about how the world's going to tighten up, including our own Federal Reserve, what's China decide to do today? Well, a little quantitative easing, lowering rates. So I'm not so sure that the Fed here is not going to do the same. But anyways, you're probably considering your financial alternatives right now, and I don't blame you. Paper money's worthless. Cash is trash, as I continue to tell you. How do you protect your hard-earned savings? Well, call our friends at Birch Gold Group, the experts in physical gold and silver, the experts in precious metals, an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of satisfied customers, and more and more from this show, which I'm happy about. Most importantly, they have options. You can buy gold coins. You can convert an existing IRA into a gold IRA. You can even convert an eligible 401k account to a gold IRA account. Here's how you get started. Text AMERICA to 989898, no spaces, and Birch Gold will send you a free information kit with no obligation. They'll show you how to protect your gold and silver investments in a tax-sheltered account. So get the uh, facts. Get started today. You have nothing to lose. Text the word America to 989898. Get your free information kit from Birch Gold. They've made it super easy. Text America from your mobile device. Send it to 989898 now. Find out how owning gold and silver could help protect your savings. All right. Uh, 20 minutes past the hour now. Let's do some sports and hear what that is. Slick Rick. Rick Emirati. What's going on, pal? Rams up 14-0 over the Arizona Cardinals in the final wild card game of the weekend. SoFi Stadium, uh, 8.45 to go in the half. Big D, plenty of time, so, you know, you never know. They may come back. But they Don't try to make me feel better. <laughs> I think they just punted the ball to their one-yard line, so we'll see if Kyler Murray can do some magic sounds and like he's put them on a drive. Yeah, yep. it sounds like he's rubbing it in, right? Yeah. No, 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 no. He's down 40. He's got a 14-0 lead to get to even. He's rubbing it in. That's I'm what I hear. He's talking big. Oh, God, yeah. you troublemaker. All right, let's 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 switch <laughs> subjects here and get to the National Western Stock Show and Rodeo, Denver, Colorado. Denver Coliseum. We love the great state of Colorado. Steer Wrestling, sec, uh, second round. Dirk Tavener, 3.6 seconds. By the way, this rodeo is going on until the 23rd. Don Payne, eight and a half seconds on the two-head. And Rowdy Parrott, I had to get that in there. He's in second place with 9.3 on a two-head. Can't forget the Rowdy Parrot. Uh, team Roping. I Red bet Anderson. you had some of those at your house this weekend <laughs> when the Dallas was losing. <laughs> yeah, they were swinging from the trees, big yeah. No doubt. So That's we got his team new roping. nickname around the house. Now they're swinging right over to my house. <laughs> yeah. For now. For now. We'll see another They may be hour. flying back to your house tonight. <laughs> exactly. 
Uh, Red Anderson and Max Cutler, 4.7 seconds. Uh, and Dustin Exquiza and Travis Graves, 10.5 seconds on the two-head. Tie down, Michael Otero, 7.5 seconds. And Haven Megan, 16.3 seconds on a two-head. Total payoff for this rodeo, and it's a small one. It's only three different uh, entries of rodeo. $315,370 for a three-event rodeo. Big money. And let's go to the PBR Tractor Supply Company Invitational. Unleash the Beast in Chicago, Illinois, Stetson Lawrence won it all with a uh, combined 266.75 score on three rides, picked up $46,000, and uh, well, he's a good, he's number two in the world, actually. Joa Ricardo Vieira, he came in second place uh, with a 258.75, only 18795 I guess they were on a budget there, but uh, bull leaders, young mans, had 45 and three quarter, and facetious. Rick Delgado's guy on the bull there, 44.75. <laughs> Those are the bull scores. And here we go, Big D. I know you might want to walk out on this story, but uh, six-figure Biden donor claims nobody cares about ongoing Uyghur genocide. This is from Houston Keene of Fox News. And, G, you have that clip. Why don't we roll that clip, and then I'll get into the story here about uh, Mr. Uh, Palihapitiya. Nobody cares about what's happening to the Uyghurs, okay? You, you bring it up because you really what? care, and I think what that's do you mean nice that you cares? care. The rest of us don't care. I'm just well, telling you a very care? hard. Wait, wait, I'm you're telling you, you a very, personally don't care. I'm telling you a very hard, ugly truth. Okay, of all the things that I care about, yes, it is below my line. Okay, oh, of all the things that I care about, it is below my line. There you go. And he's the part owner of the Golden State Warriors. That's how it relates to sports and who donated hundreds of thousands of dollars in support of Pres President Biden's campaign. Claim that nobody cares about the Uyghurs earlier today. Golden State's part owner, Chamath Palihapitiya, And he's also a former Facebook executive as well. So it kind of tells you where he's from. Uh, but anyway, he said I, what you just heard. And uh, uh, let's be honest, nobody cares about what's happening to the Uyghurs. But Palihapitiya said on his podcast, which was released over the weekend, you could bring it up because you care. And I think it's nice that you care. But again, he doesn't care. So the rest of us don't care, and uh, of all things I care about, yes, it, it is below my line. He continued repeating that the communist state-sponsored Uyghur uh, genocide was below his caring line. Um, again, he donated a tremendous amount of money, $250,000 to the Biden Victory Fund. Um, he's also given money to the National Democratic uh, Committee, uh, $66,000. Um, and obviously, there was a release, press release from the Golden State Warriors uh, this evening, but it was kind of weak, Big D. It came out as, as a limited investor who has no day-to-day -day operating functions with the Warriors. Mr. Paliatia does not speak on behalf of our franchise, and his views certainly don't reflect those of our organization. Okay, well, well, Nothing to it. Yeah, well, what, don't, what specifically do you not like? How about telling us that? How about have some guts and say something about what you don't like? Because all of us looking at the NBA right now think the same thing. From LeBron to this guy to everything else. Yep. You, you, you speak out for one th second like the guy from the Rockets did. LeBron's all over here. we got to watch what we say here. You know, I've got to protect my billions that I get from the CCP. And now this, which is just really just an unbelievably outrageous, uneducated, and stupid statement from Chamath. Yep, and Chip Roy said, uh, you know what, the NBA doesn't care either, he tweeted out today, which he's exactly right. I mean, just think about what this guy just said. Nobody cares. Well, it's below his line. You know, he, he worries about himself, uh, how much money he's going to make, uh, what he's going to have for dinner, you know, if he's going to order Uber, Uber Eats or if he's going to DoorDash it. He's got, he's got other priorities, Damon. 
Terrible. Like I said before, just a, just another guy who came here, makes billions upon billions upon billions of dollars within the confines and structures of, the, of, this, of this country with every opportunity afforded to him that he could possibly find and trashes the country at the first, at, at, compared, we're no better than the CCP, he says. He goes on to say, that we're no better. There's no difference. I mean, it's just, it's just remarkable. All right, we'll do some news when we get back live from Studio 6B on a Monday night. All right, 30 minutes past the hour on a Monday, live from Studio 6B. It's time to do some news. And here with that's Rick Delgado. What's going on? All right. Well, down in a state that we mentioned a little bit earlier in Virginia, they've also got, besides the new uh, governor, they also have a brand new attorney general. His name is Jason Myers. He, he announced investigations into the Virginia P Parole Board and Loudoun County Public Schools within hours of taking office. In a statement released on Saturday, just hours after being sworn in, uh, Myers explained he's launching these investigations into the Commonwealth's Parole Board as well as the public school. He says one of the reasons Virginians are so fed up with government is a lack of transparency, and that is a big issue here. The Virginia Parole Board broke the law when they let out murderers, rapists, and cop killers earlier on their sentences without notifying the victims. Loudoun County Public Schools covered up a sexual assault on school grounds for political gains, leading to an additional assault, uh, additional assault of a young girl. So uh, he's getting right to work, and uh, right to work pissing off a lot of people on the left. Yeah. So that's good to see. Yep. All right, what else? Also, speaking of... Um, Pissing off some people on the left, the judge in the key battleground state of Wisconsin ruled last week that ballot, ballot drop boxes and ballot harvesting violate state law and cannot be used for the upcoming midterm elections. Waukesha County uh, Circuit Court Judge Michael Borum determined there is no statutory authority to allow either practice, which became highly controversial in Wisconsin following the state's razor-thin outcome of the 2020 presidential election. The Wisconsin Election Commission, which is under fire for allegedly bending and even openly violating state law to give Biden an edge, authorized, authorized a dramatic increase in the use of ballot drop boxes, but the judge held the agency lacked lawful authority to do so and has thus um, removed it. So now they won't be allowed to do that as well. So Cut. that's good, right? Another win for the good guys, I think. And uh, here's something. Uh, 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 let's hope this turns into something good. Pelosi is in the news. Not the one you think, though. We're talking about her son, Paul Pelosi Jr. The son of the, the House Speaker, Nancy Pelosi, has reportedly been linked to at least five business entities under investigations by authorities for alleged fraud. The 52-year-old Paul Pelosi Jr., the only son of Nancy and Paul Pelosi uh, Sr., was hired by several firms, kind of sounds familiar, that was subject to both federal and state probes, and meanwhile has connections to a host of fraudsters, rule breakers, and convicted criminals, although he's never been charged yet himself. 
The website reports uh, that in February of 2007, he was hired as a senior vice president by the Omaha-based Info USA, a database marketing company that investigated that was investigated by the Iowa Attorney General several years earlier for allegedly selling consumer data to fraudsters. The data was used to to scam sick and gullible elderly people out of their money. The investigation was closed with no arrest, but he was paid a salary of $180,000 per year uh, when he joined the firm. The probe was uh, another uh, probe was launched. Uh, The Associated Press reported that Vin Gupta, a major donor to President Bill Clinton uh, and his company, were being investigated as well by the SEC. The probe was launched after Gupta was sued by shareholders who allegedly misused company funds to fly Bill and Hillary on their private jets. The SEC alleged the company was secretly run by two convicted fraudsters, and again, he's linked to those as well. The SEC has suspended trading in natural blue stock. Pelosi Jr. was never charged, uh, and the SEC acknowledged he did not play a meaningful role in one of the firm's key transactions and even testified in court against those who were indicted. Um, but he is under under the watchful eye of the SEC here, and these companies have all come under the investigation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah sure know. he is. Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm sure something will come of it. And we'll all see right. what happens. He all also right, we'll... endorsed the fake cryptocurrency back in January oh, 2018. Yeah, sure. yeah, of course. All right, we'll do some more news with, uh, with Rick. But right now, as I've done every year we've done this show, and Gio tried to explain to me this version of it, but my hair still hurts trying to understand it. But I don't know. They, somebody smarter than us did something with this to make it look good, which is basically what he tried to tell me. So here is, um, yes, here is Dr. Martin Luther King, an abridged version, but a newer version that's colorized, um, new technology to sharpen it up, and uh, of his I Have a Dream speech. Roll it, G. I have the pleasure to present to you Dr. Martin Luther King, J.R. I am happy to join with you today in what will go down in history as the greatest demonstration for freedom in the history of our nation. Five score years ago, a great American in whose symbolic shadow we stand today signed the Emancipation Proclamation. This momentous decree came as a great beacon light of hope to millions of Negro slaves who had been seared in the flames of withering injustice. It came as a joyous daybreak to end the long night of their captivity. But 100 years later, the Negro still is not free. 100 years later, 
The life of the Negro is still sadly crippled by the manacles of segregation and the chains of discrimination. One hundred years later, the Negro lives on a lonely island of poverty in the midst of a vast ocean of material prosperity. This nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. dream that one day down in Alabama with its vicious racist, with its governor having his lips dripping with the words of interposition and nullification, one day right there in Alabama little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. dream that one day every valley shall be exalted and every hill and mountain shall be made low the rough places will be made plain and the crooked places will be made straight and the glory of the lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together this is our hope and this is a faith that i go back to the south with with this faith we will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of hope. With this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. This will be the day, this will be the day when all of God's children will be able to sing with new meaning, my country tears of thee, sweet land of liberty of thee I sing, land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride, from every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. And so let freedom ring from the prodigious hilltops of New Hampshire. Let freedom ring 
from the mighty mountains of New York. Let freedom ring from the heightening Alleghenies of Pennsylvania. Let freedom ring from the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado. Let freedom ring from the curvaceous slopes of California. Not only that, let freedom ring from Stone Mountain of Georgia. Let freedom ring from Lookout Mountain of Tennessee. Let freedom ring from every hill and mole hill of Mississippi, from every mountainside. Let freedom ring, and when this happens, when we allow freedom ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spirit. Free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. Yeah, there you go. That's a really nice version of it, G. Good, good job finding that. Yeah, I guess um, said they used machine learning to. Um, well, I don't know what. I don't even understand it. Way above <laughs> my head. But that's a nice version of it. Well, well he mentioned the uh, the technology they use in that for those deep fakes that they do. Yeah. Now. Can they make me look like Tom Cruise? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. It'd be a, a very large. Tom Cruise. Okay, that's fine. Tall. Fine. Taller. We get it. Fine. Taller. Anything else in the news, Rick? <laughs> yeah, real quick. Uh, Facebook post ignited a hailstorm of criticism uh, over parental rights over the weekend by the Michigan Democratic Party. Uh, not sure where this parents should control what is taught in schools because they are our kids is originating from, they tweeted. But parents do have the option to choose and to send their kids to a hand-selected private school at their own expense if this is what they desired, the deleted post read. It continued, the purpose of a public education in a public school is not to teach kids only what the parents want them to be taught. It's to teach them what society needs them to know. The client of the public school is not the parent, but the entire community. Of course, uh, that was immediately uh, removed, but not without getting a hail of just angry comments in response from the parents who, you know, of course, nothing, you can delete it all you want. It never goes away once it's on the internet. Yeah. All right. We'll do a little more uh, news. We'll talk a little bit about the president. Saturday night, his rally. Big crowd. Talk about what he said. Talk about what he didn't say. We'll do a little more sports. Coming up. All right, 13 to the hour, live from Studio 6B on a Monday night. Let's get to some sports, and then we'll talk uh, about the president on Saturday night. But uh, here with sports is Slick Rick, at Slick Rick Sports on Getter and on Twitter. Rick Amorati, what's going on, pal? All right, Big D. Well, let's get back to SoFi. Check this game out. Two minutes to go what's in that not? first half. 21-zip. <laughs> Kyler Murray, he uh, he's having an identity crisis. People don't even know if he's really there, right? Big D, you saw uh, that. They should they should pull him and put Colt McCoy in or whoever the backup is in. They yeah. they they just just pull him out. He's lost. Yeah, seven of seven. He's a lost soul. He's totally lost. You have no chance to win this game with him. You have no chance to probably score with him. He's totally lost. He's broken at this point. 
I don't know if the, he doesn't feel right with the injury from earlier in the season, but he looks like he's scared to throw the ball. Get him out. Get him out. Get him out. Yep, 7 of 17, 28 yards, two interceptions. He has more picks than Biden at a press conference. And uh, let's get to the first Frontier Circuit Finals Rodeo. January 13th to the 15th over the weekend, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, the PA Farm Show Complex. Third and final total payoff was 181 Gs. Bareback riding Tim Kent, 74 points on Togenberg. Not really a great score, guys. Tim Kent also 211 points on the three-head. He picked up about seven grand there. Steer wrestling, Gene Stoltz's 5.0 seconds, five seconds flat. A.J. Williams, 18-3 on the two-head. Team roping, Zane Kilgus and Drew Carnes, 5.1 seconds. Darren Morgan and Jake Edwards, 23.9 seconds on the three-head. Saddle Bronk, Ray Hostetler, 72 points on turnaround, and Joe Farron, 215 points on the three-head. Tie down, Zane Kilgus, 9.8 seconds, and J.C. Fisher, 40.1 seconds on a three-head. Battle racing, Christina Mulford, 14.19 second, uh, and Christina Mulford also 42.84 on a three-head. Bull riding, Cody McCandless, 78.5 points on hot and bothered, and Grayson Cole, 166 points on the two-head. And, uh, hey, NHL news uh, earlier today. Timo Meyer had five goals for the San Jose Sharks. That's the first time in franchise history, and uh, that's pretty spectacular. He did that in their 6-2 victory over the Los Angeles Kings. And I see Mr. Nolan must be happy over at the U Bailey score arena because the Islanders scored three tonight, and they lead 3-1 to one right now over the Philadelphia Flyers. And last but not least, big day, and I'm embarrassed to run this story, but it's sports. I got to do it. Cowboy fans beat up each other as Things turned ugly in Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, if you were there, I could totally see you right in the middle of it. Yeah, Absolutely. Throwing, fans... throwing a purple scarf at somebody or whatever. <laughs> Cowboy fans showed more fight in the stands than on the playing field. This yeah. is Joe Kinsey of Outkick. What a scene it was Sunday night at AT&T. See you later, stadium, where Cowboy fans melted down and started fighting each other inside and outside the house that Jerry built as America's team lost to the 49ers 23-17 and packed their bags for offseason vacation. The chaos inside AT&T led to at least one incident in the parking lot where a man was kicked and punched by fans before police jumped into the fray to save the guy from a further beatdown. They said that the 49er fans looked on in disbelief as two fans from the same team were going at it. But they said you mix alcohol, Dak Prescott running a quarterback draw with the season on the line, and uh, that, would, that would do it. So uh, anyway... That's really embarrassing. Cowboys really got to check themselves, and uh, it, it, what a shame. But uh, it is what it is. Season's yeah. over. Uh, now I get to become a football fan again, and uh, hopefully I can win back my money tonight, and we can go in flat Big D on Friday for the big divisional round weekend. Well, you're <laughs> off to a really good start, so That's it. you're looking good. Come on, to, come back home to Papa, Birdies. There you go. <laughs> All right, very good, Slick Rick. So uh, did either of you watch the president at the rally on Real America's Voice this weekend? Saw a little bit of it, yes. I was I watching watched, the game. I watched a significant portion of his speech, and I thought he was, first of all, the crowd was phenomenal. Huge. 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 So, Huge. I mean, th there's Huge. no, there's no, Huge. There's no talking point about him losing any of his, uh, his, uh, you know, whatever. With the, the people are, the people are there. Uh, the only thing I will continue to say, and I think some, maybe people around him are saying this, but and if they're not, they should. Um, it certainly seems like he's thinking about running. No official announcement. Everybody's got their opinion, and I'm not sitting here to decide on that. But if he decides to run, I don't know how you can be. 
anti-mand, well, I know how you can be anti-mandate, but I don't know how you can be anti-mandate and pro-vaccine and run in 2024, given the world we're living in and people's feelings about, about this. Now, he, he did not mention really uh, vaccines almost at all. Talked a lot about mandates, leave the kids alone. They've got a good immune system, leave our precious kids alone. He, he kind of tinkered around it like that. He did not talk about, he did not specifically say these kids should not have to get a vaccine, you know, nothing like that. Leave the kids alone, he said, which, uh, you know, take it how you will. But I don't know how you can be anti-mendite, but pro-vaccine. And, and I just still wonder, and I don't, I don't know, and I don't know that DeSantis has even any interest in it. But I just wonder if somebody else in the GOP that has their eyes set on the presidency will see that as a void that needs to, will see that as weakness or see that as a void that needs to be filled. Because mm -hmm. not talking about it to me is some, it can be just as bad. I mean, it's going to be. Well, he's already made a statement on it. He says he believes in them. If you want them, you should take them. He's fine with it. He doesn't believe in the mandates. But, you know, and I said this when this came up a couple weeks ago, he takes that out of their, uh, they, can't, they can't kill him with it. The media can't kill him with it and say, oh, he's anti-vaccine, he's a lunatic, he's got to be banned for life from, from all walks of society. You know, they just can't, they, can't, they can't touch him on that subject. So politically, I think it does him a world of good because he, he doesn't have to worry about that fight. But that's not the fight with the media, though, that I would think he'd have to worry about. It's the getting support. Yeah, but that's not, uh, the, nobody's going to be talking about it. You know what I mean? Like nobody, the only person who would talk about it is somebody who's going to run against him. But that would, what? Exactly. Is that, is that their platform? Is that the only thing? Because everything else, right? Where are well, they going to go? If well, you're gonna, I'm going to do even better on on uh, if, uh, on on you know jobs, and I'm going to be I'm even a better builder. Again, and I'm, I'm bringing up a hypothetical. Right. I, I think everybody understands that, but that is the that's what I'm saying. If someone was to run against him, that's what they're going to say. Yeah, but that's you you you, you should have seen Fauci was a fraud right from the start. You kept him on board. Now he's turned in. Look what he's turned into. They're going to bring up personnel things of people he's hired and Fauci and all these, all these people. You can go through a list of them from Tillerson all the way back to all the way down. Ew. But specifically when it gets to COVID, I don't know. I don't know how you can be, I don't know how you can be pro-vaccine and anti-mandate. I mean, on the anti-mandate, fine, but I don't know how you can be pro-vaccine and the, the, I, the core of the party is not with you. They're not. And they're not only they're not with you, but they see it as such a, the really the issue of our time, most people. Right. So, well, and again, I think it's one of those things where politically he's got to do it, keep the mainstream media off his case. And it, it, it eliminates that from the conversation. Now let's talk about the other stuff because what is this other person going to, you know, uh, Joey, Freddie, uh, boom bots, who's going to run, you know, for president. That's his platform because everything else Trump owns. He owns the wall. He owns immigration. He owns, he owns all the good stuff, the military, all, all that good stuff. He's already on the right side of it. So it's, it's, but if nobody's talking about the vaccine, cause it's like, well, he already removed that from the conversation. Yeah. I don't know.
I just think it was a political thing. I don't even know more if it's going to become. Else. It may not even become an issue. Right. But I, I, I did get the sense on Saturday that he specifically stayed away from it. Meant from the member from the O'Reilly tour where he was getting booed. Right. And he was like, no, 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 no. This small, small. He tried to make it out there was a small group of. It's not. A, I don't think it's a small group of people out there to think these things are, uh, are, 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 are have been, are really the bane of our existence. No, I agree. I don't so, think. I don't think they're good. But I, 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 di- I do think he, he stayed away from it Saturday specifically as the word vaccine almost never came out of his mouth. Stay away from the kids, not for the mandates, all that's fine. But uh, it'll just be interesting to see if he's ever, uh, ever forced to talk about it. So, all right, as always, we salute our military, active and active, police, firefighters, first responders. Thanks, Rick. Thanks, Rick. Thanks, G. Rick Delgado in the hosting chair tomorrow night. I'll be at a game. I'll see you on Wednesday. Guys, I'll see you tomorrow night, 8 p.m. live right here from Studio 6B.